What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Alyssa, welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on this evening. No, thanks for thanks for being here. Yes, in, <laughs> in person. person. It's in person. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell anybody you thought this was, you know. Okay, thank you for keeping Zoom. my secrets for me. <laughs> but no, um, how's life been? You know? Life has been good. That's good. Busy for the last year or so since I've been at, at McNeely as the new executive director, taking a lot of time to just look at what our community needs, what the early ed platform looks like in Middle Tennessee, uh, Davidson County, of course, specifically, but what we need to do to push it forward for all of our children to create equitable spaces. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about all of that, <laughs> especially the equitability part. Woo! But, um, and you're in like a very unique part of town, yes. now, right? East Nashville. Yes. And so before we get into all of that goodness, um, I want to learn a little bit about like your inspiration yeah. behind getting in child care. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and kind of what was your kind of child hood experience yes like, right? yes so my first job at 16 was in my church child care facility I begged my mom for a job and she told me because school was the most important thing I could only work on the weekends and I had to be home for dinner okay so that pretty much eliminated most places um I think she was just mostly trying to make sure I didn't work but it backfired so I worked at the church nursery for eight or nine months and just fell in love with the families, with the babies that I got to see every weekend, their development. And I just really felt passionate about caring for other people. Care is the one thing we all have in common. Uh, growing up, I was definitely a village child. I was so lucky that my mother was in the military, even though she was a single mother. Mm-hmm. I had my family all living really close. So my grandma lived on one street, my cousin lived around the corner, my uncle lived next door, and then my other uncle lived around the corner. Oh, wow. So I always had somewhere to go. You somewhere around the corner. You always had a safe place, right? And no matter if your mom was not there, you knew who was taking care of you and that they loved you. Right. Uh, So that's really my inspiration behind what I do, especially for children of color, indigenous children, immigrant children. They don't always have that place to land, and I want to make sure they know that we're always there for them. So you grew up in El Paso. Yes. And so... What did what does El Paso look like far as demographically? Mostly Hispanic. Okay. A lot of Hispanic families, but it's also a military town. Okay. So there's a plethora of black people, uh, Asian people, a lot of mixed race people. And that, I think, is a different dynamic versus Nashville, where it is heavily segregated as a city between uh, black, white, and that's pretty much it. And right. uh, not similar to how I grew up at all. Right. And so, um, being a black woman and growing up in like mm-hmm. this, you know, kind of utopia yes. of diversity, right? Yes. Um, how did that like affect you as you got older yeah. and started to see like kind of like divided lines? Absolutely. Like black folks here, white folks here, yeah. Latinx, Asian, 
et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I think I really noticed it more when I moved to Chicago for grad school. My undergrad is in child development. So that's all I focused on. But I knew I wasn't really done with school. And I knew I wanted to work with nonprofits at some point. So I went to Northeastern Illinois to start my graduate degree. I think they've changed it now. And it's urban studies. Um, but that informs everything that I do with my life. And that lens allowed me to see where all the inequities are in our communities. And while I can't fix all of them, I can use my one specific job and skill to fix what I can. Right. And for me, that's for our families. Yeah. And so um, let's dive right onto it. Yeah. Because, like, I have a, a almost two-year-old. Yeah. And so um, family is like, is I have, have to have different lens, right? Mm -hmm. And I did two almost two and a half years right. ago. Right. It changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. You learn about all these things and then you figure out like kind of what you care about when it comes to family. Mm -hmm. And then I think too, depending on, you know, how you identify, uh, whether that's race, identity, um, gender, sex and stuff, yes. that plays a part too of like Absolutely. what family means to you, right? Absolutely. And so I'm always thinking about like my black son. Yes, right? yes. And, and his child care and like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Diversity. And, you know, I was born and raised in Nashville. So, right. like, diversity, uh, what does that mean? Yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I grew up in North Nashville, like, right. generationals of generations of North Nashville. Right. So, I'm used to, like, this black bubble, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel and, you know, live abroad and get right. get some different exposure that, that really showed me the importance of diversity. Right. Um, but, again, we're in Nashville. And um, I want to get into, like, your work, but I wanna I wanna start off with this. It was it's damn near impossible. Oh my gosh. As a as a as a as a a person that has a, a, a black fiance, mm -hmm. a black son, mm -hmm. with a black family, to find child care providers mm -hmm. that look like us. Absolutely. From leadership to yep. teachers. Yep. And that yep. is something that I um, see a lot of in corporate centers. That's something I've had some discussions with friends about recently that work in corporate environments that are very, oh, please, we would love to have you here in these skills. Um, but the reason I'm at McNeely is because my previous center, my son and one other child were the only two black children. Mm. I saw where I could be pouring into children that look like me, families that look like me, my family, and investing in them and saying, these are, you know, the skills that we can give you. This is something to aspire to. I love that my management team is almost all black. I love that my staff is black and Hispanic. You're not seeing that in most child care centers in Nashville. No, no, you're not. They're speaking Spanish. I mean, Black History Month alone at McNeely versus anywhere else was just out of this world. Right. And our children are not going to get that unless we decide that that is important to us to invest in little people in that way. Uh, you And you bring up like the language, right? You know, I speak Spanish, my fiance speaks Spanish. And so we want that bilingual setting. Yes. Again. How do we find it? And, that, and, and that's a, the reality. It a, is it affordable? Right. And the reality is, especially in Tennessee, the childcare community of color that works in childcare is higher. The problem is that most of the leadership positions and those like mine that were previously filled are filled with white women. Right. And so those that are making the decisions for childcare, and more importantly, a lot of the families, because our demographics in Nashville are changing, right. they're making decisions for those people who they're not hearing, or more importantly, 
not in tune with. And so that is my main concern as we look at childcare and it expands in Nashville and we even talk about some of this, this charter school stuff in the corporate, what does it look like to invest in the least of our children and make sure that they have what they need to be successful Nashvilleans? Right. And and you're at the most critical part of kids' life, right? Absolutely. People don't understand that yeah. zero to three 80% of our brain development is happening. Those synapses are firing. Right. Adverse childhood experiences. We talk with our families all the time about mitigating some of those things. Some of them our families cannot help. Some of them, the poverty, but we can help our families, right, with anger management. We can help them get jobs. We can sit with them when they're going through divorce or things and, and know that they have that support. Right. And so tell us a little bit about, like, what goes on at the Manigli Center. Like, oh, what, goodness what, what happened? Lord. Like, what's a day <laughs> in the life at the Manigli Center? Um, well, my day, <laughs> and, and it's so fun. I always tell people I like to have meetings on site because they come and they're like, oh, this just feels so good. And it does. It feels like your auntie is taking care of you. Um, but we have chickens. I, we, we're on five acres in East Nashville, which people are always amazed about. Um, we have our butterfly garden and we have almost 200 kiddos so wow. yes it is busy it is loud um our kitchen staff is cooking meals all day long yeah. today we had grits collard greens it was <laughs> we good definitely wow um and our teachers use the Frog Street curriculum. I don't think people realize, though, that our pre-K program is actually one of the best in the state. Really? Um, we're in the top 1% as a nationally accredited program. Wow. I know. Our children leave us 100% kindergarten ready to read, which for children of color that already start behind is phenomenal. Right. People don't understand the work that our teachers are doing, and more importantly, that some of them are committed to 20, 30, 40 years right there at McNeely with some of the same families. Right. And that, I think, is hard to find in childcare in Nashville as well, that, that generational care of, okay, this one took care of my niece, you know, five, six years ago. Right. I, I trust these people, and I feel right. safe here. There's so much turnover at a lot of other centers. And when I, you know, 15 years, 16 years, 20, right. my, my kitchen manager's been there 22 years. Right, wow. They love what they do. They're passionate about it. And they want us to stay, you know, where we are. And, right. and for our families, more importantly, even as East Nashville changes around us. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Because you know, East Nashville is not the same East Nashville that I know. <laughs> up, even though I grew up, like, you know, on the other yeah, side. Yeah, even from eight or nine years right. ago, it's not the same yeah, East Nashville. Exa exactly. So um, does the demographic of the, the kids that you have, is it... Is it looking like new East Nashville, or is it looking like, or are those parents not, you know, they, are they sending yeah. their kids somewhere else? Yeah, and so it's interesting because I'm, we're at, in McFerrin Park, right. so we're right across from River Chase, right. which you know is coming down. Right. So that's a lot of affordable housing right there. Right Just, there about where the projects Yes, be yes, yes. Great yes. street, I'm familiar. You know, and so <laughs> that will impact us. But our family demographics haven't changed that much because we're on a sliding scale fee mm -hmm. and very few centers now take DHS certificates, which allows our families to pay 15, 20, 30 dollars a week. Right. Whereas at a lot of the corporate centers, um, they're more focused on 
income and so they're not taking those and that's a detriment to our families right um so no our demographic has not changed much if anything we are seeing more people on our certificate because of the pandemic more families needing assistance more families of color needing us in in a myriad of ways now we talked a little bit about this mm-hmm. early off camera mm-hmm. but i am paying oh my gosh i know I'm like I'm in the 200s. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yes, absolutely. I'm in the 200s a week. Mm-hmm. So when I say when people say I'm broke, I'm broke. All right. Yes, yes. It's all going to daycare. Yeah. And so, um, why aren't there many other programs or centers mm-hmm. like McNeely in Nashville that subsidizes or have mm-hmm. programs? Mm-hmm. So where people, you know, what I'm saying, can send their their, their, their son or daughter to a you know high um, quality high quality mm-hmm. you know facility uh-huh. where they know they're going to be you know one treated where yep. it's going to be great people yep. and then they can get all the you know um everything the that they deserve everything that they deserve what? no matter how much families what pay. do i need to do as a parent to advocate yeah. for that or or how do we start that conversation yeah. the biggest thing is that our legislators have to understand that child care is a public good 64% of moms under what, that, that have a child under one are in the workforce. Yeah. We cannot fix our economic issues if people are afraid of what they're going to do if they have a child and who will care for their child. Right. I hear you, right? I've got my own five-year-old, and I always say, I, if, if not for this job and getting a discount, oh, my gosh, it's astronomical. It's ridiculous. And it's because the state DHS rates are not high enough. It costs more for us to care for a child, right, at that high-quality level that we want than the state subsidizes us for. Mm. And so it pushes providers into a tricky position right. like ours where we want to care for these families and we want to remain affordable but you still have to have some type of income and we right. make sure you pay your teachers a living wage. You know, we offer health insurance, make sure our children have quality foods, or you move only into that income area where now you've pushed families out. Right. And so now they're in this hard place of McNeely's all the way in East Nashville, but I live in Rutherford County, which is where we have some families driving from. Wow. Williamson, Rutherford. And that, what we need is more centers to say, yes. Profits are important, but what is more important is the ROI on these children. What we invest back into them comes back to us 13% and Mm. then more. Mm. I tell people all the time, you may not have a child yet, but all these children are going to be Nashvillians. They're going to care for us. They're going to run our city. We need them to be kind, empathetic, knowledgeable humans about the world around them as it changes. Another thing I think we do better um, than a lot of programs is our social emotional learning component, Mm. just because it is so deeply ingrained in Mm. our curriculum. I love seeing that my own five-year-old, you know, the other day was getting really frustrated with Legos at home. (sighs) He took a deep breath and was like, you know what? I'm going to do what Miss Cheryl does. So, <laughs> so now listen, you, you're hitting on something. Now. Don't get me started on the deep dive on the black mental health and how look, we're going to change the whole entire generation. Look, look now, because this is a very difficult, this is difficult conversation to have for many reasons. One, the social emotional learning thing is something that, that like they're talking about in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the pandemic has brought out a lot of this. Yes. Like, we, we don't like, 
okay, yeah, like school resource officers are great, but we mm-hmm. don't we don't need like law enforcement to be no. dealing with like mental health. No. Right? And so that's the conversation. Children need a soft place to land and they have to learn how to do it before they're big and scary. Right. The reality is you and I both have black children. Right. At 16, no one is going to listen to either of them when they are angry and mm-hmm. in pain and in hurt and in trauma. Right. They will see scary. Right. They have to learn how to do it now because that's how we have to function in the world. And right. I, I, you know, I always tell, this is a conversation I have a lot with my mother um, because I, you know, I'm a huge mental health advocate. I'm infant mental health endorsed. I'm passionate about it. I have many, many ACEs I've worked through on my own. I have no shame in saying I go to therapy. Right. I love black mental health. But more importantly, so many things for us are cultural because they're trauma right. as a people. Um, and so looking at some of those things and saying, well, this is how we've always done it, but maybe we can do it a little better. Yeah, like culture, so showing cult- emotion. And- yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, I, and I try to say this often, like just because it's culturally accepted don't mean it's intelligent. Right, you know, right. Don't, don't mean we got to practice it. Right. But I want to I wanna, I wanna throw this at you. All right. I'm 31. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was born in 1990. Okay. When I was in school, right, I never experienced or witnessed or heard about um, classmates taking school so serious, mm-hmm. be so mentally drained mm-hmm. or pressured mm-hmm. where they're hurting themselves, mm-hmm. whether that's physically mm-hmm. or fatally, mm-hmm. right? That's a whole different mm-hmm. concept mm-hmm that mm-hmm. I can't wrap my head around. Absolutely, and that's because we have made a culture that is so focused on, and again, something we talk about with parents, your child is an autonomous human being. We put too much pressure on children to be the best at everything, and instead of wondering if they're actually okay inside and, right. and functioning well and a, and a good human, right? right? I always say, I don't care if your child can speak six languages, if they cannot handle themselves emotionally, they are a child. You are 12. And I wonder what that gap is, right, Alyssa? Because I'm, I'm not saying that, like, when I was in school and school age and my peers and stuff, like, we had pressure. Like, we, we cared and we mm-hmm. had pressure. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, we had mm-hmm. expectations. Mm-hmm. But it seems like mentally on the, on the surface, it's like, oh, we were stronger mentally mm-hmm. because we, we wasn't breaking down and harming others yeah. or harming ourselves due to... Yeah. Do the things and that we also didn't have as much internet. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? So, so the I'm, social. I look at yeah. some of my friends. I have teenagers, and just the things that they. And I mean, we were all teenagers, right? right. I'll be thirty-one this year, so it's, I mean, I know what it's like to be fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Right. The things that they can just have have access to in the sense of comparison, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I, at fifteen, I was not able to scroll and just look at Doja right. Cat, Megan Thee Stallion, right. no, Kim Kardashian, and right. wonder. Nokia's didn't scroll, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? They, we didn't have the opportunity <laughs> to look at these right. things, or even if some of your peers, right? We always had those classmates that you're like, oh, they're really, you know, great at this, or right. you didn't know exactly what everybody was doing all the time, right. and so it's created this this FOMO for people, and they're so afraid of missing out on everything um that they're it's it's just not sustainable yeah and i think that we as parents also the more we work on our mental health Mm -hmm. the more it pours back into our our kids or the children in general you know we talk to our teachers about 
figuring out what sets us off, where am I at emotionally today, do I need an extra 20 minute break, and mm -hmm. I think that's important for us to know yeah. as people. Yeah, because, um, yeah, that's just a real conversation that I've been having just like with, with, with friends and mm -hmm. peers, because it's mm -hmm. like, man, like, like when we was growing up, like, we, like, like, I, like we didn't understand the concept of bullying. Like mm -hmm. we and we know in to by this today, extreme it, level, but, right? Well, I, I I don't know if it's if it's more or less extreme because there's no way to get away it's, from it's, it's it no now. There's no way to get away from it now. But like I know, like everybody's been joked on extensively to the point like where you know, like oh, I'm ready to fight you, right? Mm -hmm. But we didn't we didn't nobody ever used like. Or went home and said, I'm being bullied. It's like either we took it or we we fought back with with words that mm -hmm. we know how to combat, mm -hmm. or we fought and then we we moved we mm -hmm. moved on, mm -hmm. right? And so even like the concept of what bullying is, is this re is this yes. is reframed and yes. it's, it's yes. like, man, that's bullying. Yeah. You're man, like, I was a bully sometimes. Yeah, I was a bully. Though. I was a bully <laughs> sometimes. And right. And so right. I think that's a big shift as a society. Like yeah, it's a huge shift. Whoa. What we were doing was inappropriate, but I think also my husband and I have this conversation around the Me Too movement. There mm -hmm. are things that many people were not doing wrong, but they were like, I see now when I said that, how, right? Just some conversations yeah. with ourselves. and yeah. Right, and we all just have to reframe things. I always tell people society is always growing, always changing, right. always shifting, right. right? What A perfect example is what some people thought was not racism they're finding out is extremely racist yep. and that's hard. they're like oh my gosh i'm, I'm right. a racist and it's right. like well, no, you're you're presenting these things that are not appropriate so let's figure out how to work on them right, right. right? okay maybe these are kind of bullying behaviors in a sense of our society right. what do i need to do to reframe myself to to interact with the world in a better way and culture plays a huge part and that's the other thing. Yeah. And culturally, we talk about this at McNeely, too. There's some ways that we, as a people, interact and joke with each other. You know, one of my uh, best friends from at work is a white woman. But she's like, oh, the way we joke here, she's in a theater group. She's like, we don't joke. <laughs> I can't joke with that, like that with them. You right. know, it's just yeah. different. Yeah. It really is. And right. some things that we um, do are, are definitely not necessarily bullying, but they're tough and harsh and we don't realize it right. because we're like oh yeah we right. all did that or everybody's granny did that or right. you know the concept of even just spanking for some people right. they're like oh yeah. oh that really did hurt you know that right. really hurt you or so you know right. i think we're always reframing especially with little little people right. i want to talk and dive into what do you see because you're dealing with, you know, the most important foundation mm -hmm. of kids, right? And then eventually they have to leave you, mm -hmm. right? And go into school, mm -hmm. kindergarten, first, second, third. Being at the very beginning, being at the, the first stopping point for yes. most kids, yes. right? Where do you see, because they tra it, it transitions, mm -hmm. you know, they leave you in some schools, you know, do a really good job mm -hmm. in keeping mm -hmm. that, like, mm -hmm. enhancement and learning going. Absolutely. And then sometimes, like, it just third grade. Yep. You know, third, third grade. That's a yep. big one. It's a big one. It just mm -hmm. it's 
keeps going down mm-hmm. and down mm-hmm. and once mm-hmm. once it gets there it's 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 hard, it's hard to, to come back from it's hard it. to come back from and what we need is teachers that are one invested truly in diversity equity inclusion training for themselves for their for anybody that works with them, and they have to bring the families along. That's the one disconnect I continually hear between preschool and elementary school is that there are not as many moments for that everyday connection. And you can't do a lot, and you can't get your parents on board with doing what you need them to do mm-hmm. uh, if they don't if they don't have that rapport and that trust with you. Right. You know, we've have we have difficult conversations with some of our families about mm-hmm. behavior and intervention services, but you cannot do that and support the children if you don't have the familial relationship. Right. And again, when you are working with a lot of biases, you're not you're not taking those into account. Right. right. There's many times when I have worked in the public school system where a teacher will say well that mom's always working or of course she's not going to come back you know and it's, it's a black mother or hispanic mother or it's a stereotype and so you're automatically dismissing this child right what we need is advocates in the schools to say this is what these children need we also have to look at what we're teaching them right. i i was lucky that my family is just very academic and so whatever was going on at school my grandparents and my parents were like well let, let's talk about some other stuff right um, our parents don't always have time to do that. Right. So we have to make sure that what we're presenting to our children is relevant and interesting. My God, right. did you love reading Great Expectations? No, right. because it was about old, you know, boring right. old white people that were dead. Right. Why don't we update our curriculum and say what is important, what is relevant? Mm-hmm. What are we, why aren't we reading Desmond Tutu? Right. Why don't we read something relevant to these children and right. what pertains to their lives? What is the biggest impact that you've seen um, McDilly Center have on the families because I'm oh, pretty sure man. you got some like yeah. great stories. Yes, like, yes. And, and and probably like, hey, I wish I could send my child back. You know. Oh <laughs> yes. Ah, we did have a family leave last year. They had six kiddos that have all come through McNeely, and the dad was just crying on graduation, saying, "You don't know what this means to us. How this right. got us through so much." Um, we have a mom right now who's at basic training. Uh, so we're taking care of her childcare bill while she's gone so she can become, you know, a better parent and work on herself. And that's what we do. I try to tell people, yes, we're a preschool, but what we're doing is ensuring our families have the wraparound services and a strong support system to pursue their dreams, their familial dreams, right? right? True things. I want to get a raise. I want to get a job. I want to get my license. Right. We want to be there for you. We um, have dinners that we give out on Thursday nights now through one of our partnerships. Again, we live in a food desert. Our families don't always have access to healthily cooked food. Nutritional food. Right. We have to fill those gaps. And while it's unfortunate we have to fill them as a nonprofit, we do a, a, a good job of it, but we need more people that understand the mission of McNeely and what childcare can do for our, our economy and our community. Right. And so what is that mission? Yes. Like what is, yeah. What is that mission? So the mission is to provide that high quality, affordable care for children. Okay. More importantly, I love that we've been there since 1916. They were founded oh, wow. during it's like uh-huh. six, five, six, yep. five years. Mm-hmm. During the World War One, they realized okay, these men are going off to war. Who's going to watch these children when the women are in the factories? And so that's that's how they started the Mm -hmm. McNeely Day Home, and we've been on that property since then. 
Wow. And so I, I love that for 105 years, we've kept that mission. People could pick their child up and they'd get milk at the end of the day. I, I see what we mean to our families. Um, good conversations. I, you know, they just, they love that someone cares. And right. one other thing I've heard recently is like, thank you for seeing us. Mm. Because again, our leadership has to understand our plight and see us for them to make the changes that we really need. You know what I wish I would have been kind of more aware of? Or I wish I just I just knew there was like information about like before having a child. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have kind of knew more about child care. Yes, that's and one like, thing we always say. People <laughs> just that because I mean I've been in child care again. So that's all I've ever done, and so people get pregnant and they're like, okay, we need child care. I'm like, well, we have a wait list or da, da, da. Right. they're like, oh my gosh. Or we want to do some parenting classes because a lot of people have a baby and they're like a transplant. They don't right. have mom and auntie right up right. the street anymore. So you're kind of in this silo of figuring out how to take care of a, a baby and your babies aren't supposed to be cared for alone. Right? right. And so that's, I love when we get new parents because my infant teachers have been in there at 20 years and 30 years and 12 so they have they have all the experience I always joke I said if I have another baby I'm just gonna have the baby in here because <laughs> they know everything about you know and that's just I, I don't understand that people they don't understand what that means right. when you have someone else to just love on. I love that my son feels at home at McNeely right. he you know he calls one of the program directors he says that's my friend <laughs> <laughs> and he called, you know, one of the, we have foster grannies, which is my favorite thing. And he, I mean, you, those babies think those are their grannies. Yeah, I just, you know, because um, I think a lot of traumas um, could be avoided mm-hmm. um, if, if, if adults before they came became parents. Yes went through like child care yes. training. Like yes. before you you even get yes. pregnant or get somebody you have to pregnant. Look at this. Look at this life. <laughs> like, <laughs> like understand like the life. Understand like the necessary things that you will need at certain ages. Because everyone's like, oh you just need diapers, wipes and a bed. Right. <laughs> and, and, like and you know like I'm gonna have to do daycare, right? But you don't understand what you don't comes really think about it. Yeah, you don't like you don't think like, okay, cool, I'm gonna do daycare. You don't think about how much daycare is going to cost or what, mm-hmm. what may be the rate at that particular time. Right. Like it's 200 and something for me this week. For me, this year, but it three, might, four, five, it might be the minimum, maybe 300 a week. Right. Like, I, having a kid, um, I don't know. How, how much room is that particular center right now? You <laughs> see, and then that's where we have to come in and support our families at the governmental level and say, we support families in this way. Is that we happening? Want, is, 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 there, is, that, is there a child care movement? It is the, in par, a part of the Build Back Better Act. Okay. Um, but there's not a big, powerful movement at the top of the government, not even in Nashville or in Tennessee in general. I would love to see that change. I would love to see more child care providers have the subsidies that they need to either expand their programs, like we would like to, to serve more families, right? Because our wait list is long, right now for younger babies and we would love to expand right. because we believe in what we do and we know we're good at it right. um, but more importantly investing in the centers that have a high population of children of color and looking at where you can subsidize these centers more because we already know that they need more resources yeah no i think you um 
I think you need to go ahead and start that movement. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I don't know what we're waiting for. I would okay. love to. I was up on the hill last month talking to them about child care. And I, I, I don't think, think so. people understand that um, parents are better parents when they have more people that they can call on. For sure. It is so stressful if you are a parent, and especially I think about the last two years, some of my friends have their first baby. Yeah, like me. Yes. <laughs> what are you, like, oh my gosh. It's just right. yeah. craziness. And then that's where we really need to pour into these families because they are like, okay, we're really nervous and scared because we've been in a real little bubble. Right. And we have to trust these people that they know what they're doing. And for me, it just feels better to know y'all got this. Right. Like, you've been here a long time. Right. What, what has been some best practices you sent home with families um, to continue that growth and learning uh, when they're not at your center yeah. or when they're not in child care, right? Yeah. So we use an app that we love to send advice through, tips through. We do lots of family engagement programming. Just, was it last night or the night before they had a... Um, dealing with challenging behaviors at home. So we provided some dinner and childcare so our families could come learn from an expert what what to really do. Mm-hmm. We've got a great lending library as well. So our families have those resources. I think it's just a matter of building the rapport though. That's all that it takes. And we want to keep our families, right? right? I love when people are like, we're pregnant, we're coming again and again. I love it. We want to see our families right. the whole way through because Five years is a long time. Right. People don't realize that when they have their baby and they're picking childcare centers. I try to remind them, you want somewhere you're going to be for the majority of the time. Well, what has happened through my research, <laughs> through my literally touring, mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. is that specifically if you're like a black person or a person of color, right? There's a lack of representation. Yes. Right. Then it's the cost, mm-hmm. but then there's the waiting list, mm-hmm. and so you have all that those three things combined. It's like okay, option one is not available because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Option two is not available because it's a waiting list, and, and I might mm-hmm. now it might my third option is available. And they need to know something by tomorrow. Yes, and I and, don't know, and I don't know, but like I need my child to be in daycare like yesterday because I need to go to work because I need to go yes. to work. And so um, more employers, I have said this over and over, they need to call us. We would love to set some some corporate side, like spots aside so people can know. And that's a big thing is you don't sometimes people have to miss work because they don't have child care. Yeah. So if you could know that your employees had somewhere to take their children you're also not missing out on them coming to work. Right. And I think it's a matter of us just being able to have the conversations with corporations and businesses for them to understand what childcare really means because it's, in, at least especially in the United States, it's so um, looked down upon as a, as a job, but I think it is the highest calling to, to say I care enough about children that are not mine Mm -hmm. and what they grow up to be yeah what do you see like the the future of childcare looking like because we just happen to be in a state to where Mm -hmm. on a legislative level like what kids will be or will not be learning in school is being dictated by you know partisans and it's terrifying as an early ed provider um, to think about some of our children going into some of these schools after investing five years of a, you know, a really 
holistic approach and them being thrown into that. And so I'm going to continue working with everybody I know in Metro and our school board members to fight for our children. Um, I'm not going anywhere. That's what, <laughs> that's what I always tell people. I'm not going anywhere. I'm in Nashville for the long haul. Um, I am passionate about ensuring that those children have what they need. More importantly, because they don't talk, right? Right. I always say our children cannot articulate the crisis surrounding them. Mm -hmm. It's my job to articulate that for them. And so as you're talking, you, you mentioned school board. You know, I don't know what <laughs> district you live in. I'm I, in District 4. However, however, it sounds like that may be a place for you in the future. Oh, I would love that. Um, I would absolutely love that. You know, I love advocating for our children. And I think, you know, like, you know, school board is a place where that happens. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they don't have a school board for preschoolers. And that's, I mean, we would love to <laughs> yeah. slowly unionize. And I think that's the other issue is that, Right. The teachers have bargaining power that our staff don't right. because they're individual centers. And so if we could have bigger bargaining power as a collective, even at the centers and at the Davidson County level, right. it would make a huge impact mm -hmm. for us to say this is what we need right. to not even just remain level, right. but to pour appropriately into these children to make sure that they have immersion, you know, language immersion programs, mm. to continue their social emotional learning, to pour into our staff so they're always giving right. them the best of the best. Right. And like, how is that relationship with other centers in Nashville? Is it, is it, is it cohesion? Is it collaboration? Sometimes is it like learning from yeah. one another? Or is it kind of like based on the relationships that you build? Like some people have Absolutely. their own way they want to do it. Yep. And hey, yep. all right. Some people, um, and it's really different. So obviously the corporations, they kind of do their own thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of us that are smaller nonprofits, we're in a big um, email chain where we kind of just go back and forth and say, you know, this is what I'm dealing with or how would you deal with this or I want to work with my board or, you know, budget, that type of stuff. And it is. It's about those relationships that you build. But what I've seen in my first year as an executive director and not just the program director is there's not many people that look like me in my role. <laughs> yeah. So um, the things that are concerning to me and my center are not always the same as other people's. And so, I, you know, we just have to make sure I'm, we're connecting with those that are advocating for the same things as us. I don't see like it's like it's I, I, I want to hear you because you tour yeah. a lot. You've yeah. toured centers recently, yeah, yeah. and I've only been at my own center. No, so. no, like, no, that was that was so the 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 center, uh, the facility um, we wanted to send our son to. Um, I, I ain't gonna say the name, but um, leadership was black. I think all of the teachers were black. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a really I had a good long hour conversation because mm -hmm. I care like the learning that happened right, mm -hmm. but I care about the people. Yes, like, well, how who, are you going to yeah, treat yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. let me feel your energy. Mm -hmm. Right, so it was mm -hmm. great. Right, and for some reason, like the communication on trying to get him enrolled just fell through. Yeah, and right, and so I was like, and I was on it like, hey, I'm yeah, we trying yep. to get him in next yep. week. Can you send me the enrollment thing? And the leadership would email me back, but they wouldn't send me what I needed or mm -hmm. get back to me like mm -hmm. five days later mm -hmm. and say, are you still interested? Yes. Can you send me information? <laughs> I need to and, enroll. And I never got it to this day. Like, and so, so it, was so, it was so frustrating. 
especially because it was like ideal. Yes, yes you're like, I want, like, I want you. Uh, yeah, right. And I was like, I'm trying to give you my money. You yeah. <laughs> and you just don't want it. So it was just, it was just unfortunate. But mm -hmm. what I also noticed, though, is I didn't see many men. In yes. General, uh, yes. White or black. Right. Right. Or in any other ethnicity. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any man. So mm -hmm. I wonder, is, is there space? Or is that just some type of you know stigma like hey man we don't we don't do childcare that's yes. a women's thing is that, so, a, is that a gender role issue there? It, it definitely is a gender role issue in the United States more specifically but of course we're in the South and right. so I think it is I and I know it's a hard concept for people but it is I think it is an honor and that these men want to care for little people because they need it oh my right. gosh when we have. Um, one male teacher right now, and, but we have several male staff members, uh, you know, business management team and the kitchen management team, but they love them. They love them so much. We have two male interns this summer starting. Um, I think that children, the disservice that's done when they don't see men being gentle and kind and sweet is part of our problem as a society and why men don't know how to care for their own children. Um, we do like a baby doll circle time where the children like practice holding a baby and caring for a baby and just learning how to be gentle. And of course, there's always some some parents that have feelings about their son or whoever holding a baby doll. But I'm like, well, if you ever have a baby or you want him to be a kind, empathetic person. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it because this is where I am with this. Yes. Okay, I'm going to let you know. So at the particular facility I was talking about where I had a whole long yes. conversation. You know, and I think this is a lot of culture things. So uh -huh. We all black in this space that at the facility that I'm talking about. And one of the teachers said, hey, look, we have costumes. And, yep. you know. We let them wear whatever costumes We let want. them wear whatever costumes you write. So I don't, I don't know how you feel about if your son picks up mm -hmm. a tutu or something like that, right? And I said, well. <laughs> right. That's where I you said, have to feel well, like, where you, I, how I, you really feel. I said, well, I would prefer my son not to be in that type of mm -hmm, costume. Mm -hmm. And it in in you know and it was it was another teacher in the background that just you know that man don't want his son and you know it, it became like funny but I think I think we all understood too culturally yes like I, I don't know because because I think I think black boys are being under attack in many mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. in their masculinity mm -hmm. and so that's my position on it you know I'm, if you want to pick up a pan and cook and a broom is like things that we would necessarily see as like yeah. women domestic just domestic, living, yeah. living I told, yeah. and i always tell people listen the best thing my mother-in-law ever did was teach my husband how to do anything in the house because it doesn't fall to me we don't have those traditional gender right. roles because he wasn't like right. oh moms only do right. dot 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 or even in child care centers right. sometimes where i've worked before they've been like no boys aren't allowed to play in the kitchen center i'm like well that's not true right I, yeah so i'm uh, that, I'm not that far. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not that far. And I have if if you if you have a relationship and y'all have traditional gender roles, if that's I have no problem with that either. I mean, so for me, that like I was like I I don't I don't know because I just just my perspective of mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just blackness and black boys in our in right. the United States right now. Right. But this also leads me to a bigger uh, this topic that I want to get somewhat into. Yeah. Is the LGBTQ plus community yes, right yes and if you if i don't know if y'all have any um people any um um staff that identifies like trans or mm -hmm. queer mm -hmm. or even talk about those things mm -hmm. because again like 
um, at the grade school level in the state of Tennessee, these things are ah, but also I know it's parent like ah, is yeah. this something I want to yeah. be taught yeah. or even talked about with my son or daughter? And our children are so little, we don't really have to okay. worry about those things. We definitely really discourage them from just you know, I know like that's a boy thing or a girl thing or right. boys only play with that or girls. We're really trying to just encourage them to just be a person. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And do things you like. If yeah. you want to go paint in the paint center, just right. go paint. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, we definitely, I mean, we talk about race a lot and diversity and disabilities and how people look. Okay. Because that is the most, and, and of course, family makeup. Because right. not every family looks the same. Right. We're not really expressing or talking about gender with our children very much. Right. Um, we leave that to their families because they're so young. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just... I was throwing off when the the, uh, the the teacher at the facility. Yeah, but we are also that. on team. Like we do tell our parents, like we let them dress up and right. whatever. So what if a parent says, "Hey, Alyssa, I prefer my son or daughter to." Kind yeah, of, we'll that, try to discourage it. Yeah, right. but I'll be honest and say my son's been in some pink pumps before because they make noise. Right. They're fun. They're right. loud. Yeah. You know. See that makes, and I don't know what you say about me, <laughs> but that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. But just because I just of my. Of but my, he also runs around ladies. outside half naked with sticks and plays <laughs> Star Wars. You know, like so. And I know it's my own, I guess, internal conditioning and what I've personally internally accepted to be like what I would want to project my son to be I mean, and a lot of it is race a lot yeah, of it is i mean I, we talk about this is, is race for yes me. and this especially the social emotional stuff right? right like we as a people i talk to my mom about this all the time we're for hundreds of years when you've had to be hard mm -hmm. that's that's who you are right we've got to learn uh, and unlearn yeah, some things yeah. as a culture and it's yeah. hard to it's hard to do it yeah. and it's but I know that it's worth it because of the little people we work with mm -hmm. I look at them and I just see you know people are like oh the world is so sad and depressing and da -da -da. Right. but then I see them or right. I see this empathy that they've developed mm -hmm. that the 35 year olds that I know don't even have right I don't my own my son will tell me Whew, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need to take a break. <laughs> I don't even know grown people that will say that right, sometimes, right. you know. I just, you know, but I think us grown folks have to, like, just self-reflect and be honest, right? And when we get those, like, do you want your son or daughter in this? And just be like, and be honest and say, maybe I don't, but why, right? Yes, and right. What is, and what is this self What is that? Like? Yeah, what and, am I, what am I internalizing or right. avoiding and is that wrong mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. or is you know is that wrong until and, and and from my perspective i don't think it's wrong until your son or daughter tells you like and they can articulate hey right. like i want to do this or right. be that or right. identify as this right now if you push back against that then that's a little different right right but but until that time i, I think it's okay for parents to yes and people decide. have to make the decisions for their families and that's what i always tell people regarding child care right because our center might not be the best center for you because we do talk about tricky topics right. and we are a mostly black center and so right. if that is uncomfortable for you it won't be a good fit. Right. And because we want it to be a good fit for our families. Right. We're not out to get anybody. We want yeah. you to stay with us. We want you to love us and, right. and feel like it is second home and a right. second safe or third safe place for you. Because for some of our families, it is. They're living in transitional housing. Um, we've had two fathers lost to gun violence this year. Mm. We've had a house fire. So our families, they need us. Right. 
we truly it's not just even like pick up drop off child care it's i need clothes i need a meal my light bill might get turned off yeah y'all a resource Mm -hmm. yeah y'all are a true resource yes and that's why we need more people to invest in us because we're really a community center Mm -hmm. not just a child care center so let's talk about that how can people support the center whether financially whether that's interning volunteering yes. supplies like how can people yes do that? we always need diapers and wipes that's the biggest need for our families i need them too yeah <laughs> right right so send those send those to jerome um diapers and wipes even i mean dollar tree diapers dollar tree wipes those are our biggest needs we have a lot of young families and some single fathers so extra men's clothes that are work appropriate are always helpful snack bags if people are so inclined and we've been getting a lot of corporate interest in cleanup days so like i said we have almost five acres so if you want to help us uh pick up sticks or clean out the chicken coop um help us in the butterfly garden read to the kids you should um i'm gonna connect you to jaffe judah okay for recycling reinvest and that whole thing is like like um eco cleaning yeah sustainability Like, and understanding that, you know, um, how clean your neighborhood is reflects how safe it Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm, and all those things. mm -hmm. So I got to connect y'all. Yes, absolutely. And we, I mean, we are obviously on a big road, so we get a lot of trash that we're picking up. Financially, donations are always appreciated. We're running out of deficit because of the last two years. Uh, You know, we need to always make sure we're taking care of these little kids. Right. Yes. Do you, do you, do you feel that you all get the support like from community or no. from corporate grants whatever that other facilities that may that are on the same um, kind of scale as y'all I think that we have not done a great job of pushing ourselves and the quality of what we offer out okay. and so it's up to us to express our one our needs okay and the importance of them. Mm -hmm. And so as we've been able to get out there more, we're definitely seeing more interest from people who are like, oh, I didn't even know McNeely was here. Or um, I had somebody, he's like, I've lived four blocks away. I've never known about it. Wow. Right. Well, hopefully this. Yes, yes. Which again, since 1960, I mean, it's not a little building. We're big, we're there. But we've not done enough to say, how awesome we are and why it's worth investing on us and keeping us where we are. Give me your flowers right now. (laughs) A whole bouquet of them. Because, no, like, and I think we all realize how important, like, childcare is, but you don't realize until you actually, like, the until you have a child. It's a different type of lens. And we should be investing into the facilities that are the foundation of our mm-hmm. kids' lives, yes. right? And, and the people who care for them. And the people that care for them, yeah. The, the people who love on your child. I mean, I, I, yeah. don't, I love my teachers, what they do. Right. I'm, I always tell our parents, like, if you could be in this room all day with 12 kids and they need I mean, right. you should see some of our kids, just the emotional connection they have. Right. I, some of them are just Velcro babies, just right, right. there with their teacher all day. But not, but like y'all are doing some like cutting edge, like 
learning. Yes. I, like, I want everybody to come visit yeah. us. Come take, come, a tour. take a tour. I want to take a tour. Please come see us. You yeah. will be, you won't want to leave for one because uh, KK throws it down in the kitchen. Uh, just <laughs> so saying. So I'm getting a meal. Yeah. Tomorrow's okay. fajita day. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> what, what time is that? <laughs> yeah. 1130 fajita day. Um, But just seeing our kids yeah. is so, I could be having a really stressful day mm-hmm. and I just need to go in a classroom and hold a baby or, you know, right. we were dancing to the Encanto soundtrack with some of the four-year-olds earlier. And I'm like, this is why we do what we do. Right. Some of our children, they don't have a lot of people who care about them in their lives right. and they know that they can come here right. and be safe. Well, Alyssa, you're a special person. Thank you. Your energy, your spirit, and your passion is just special. And I can feel it radiating oh, here. And so I know it's going to come off when people are watching and listening. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm excited. So, no, no, no. I'm, I appreciate your time. And I want to give you the last word is anything that, you know, whether it's people reaching out to you or there's anything that we didn't really talk about or get to touch on that you want to just put out there for people to just know and just take with them. Yes. We have the big payback coming up, and so that's an easy way to invest in us on May 5th. Um, But more importantly, I want people to know that children will continue to be born, and so are we going to decide as a society to invest in them or not? Cool. Yeah. Alyssa, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I got to bring you back because there's always something going on around child care. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs)